It's 2022 and our UI UX landscape continues to evolve. You've got questions like when to turn on our new UI or when it's best to use UI Builder versus Service Portal. Our guest today is here to help answer questions like this. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Tomasi. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and of course, all the curious individuals. And I say that with the utmost love and respect. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast, where we bring you the latest tools, tips, and tradecraft to accelerate your career. In this episode, I've got the pleasure of once again talking to Brad Tilton with a new title, Senior Principal Outbound Product Manager. How are you today, Brad? I'm doing really well, Chuck. Thanks for having me on. It is my longest title that I've had. <laughs> We've got some doozies in this company. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Welcome back to Breakpoint. And for listeners, Brad was a developer advocate for several years, right up until April of 2022. So tell us a little bit about this new role with the long title. <laughs> yes, the new role uh, is uh, in outbound product management uh, for our next experience uh, set of set of products. Uh, and so my role is really around uh, evangelizing the next experience and enabling people on using UI Builder and theming and all of those things uh, with my colleague, Ashley Snyder, who's pretty well known in the dev community as well. Uh, and so, yeah, we are kind of working on lots of enablement materials for UI Builder uh, and all sorts of things the second half of this year. And then we do a lot of talking to customers and partners and kind of, you know, positioning how people should be using uh, some of the tooling. And then we are collecting tons of feedback. Um, so, you know, we try to, anytime you ask a question on the community or Slack or wherever, uh, you know, we're trying to capture a lot of those, at least the high level themes and the questions so that we can make our products better and we can, you know, put out the right enablement materials. And that's the whole purpose of this show, right? There's sort of an audio FAQ, if you will. We wanted to just gather those up. Like you said, we're, we're seeing some patterns in the questions that are being asked. So you said, Chuck, can we put this on breakpoint? I said, happily. <laughs> Let's start with our first one. Are there any considerations for activating the next experience? And what should I know before I turn it on? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, you know, to backtrack a little bit, uh, we released this next experience UI uh, in the San Diego release. Uh, if you provisioned a new instance in the San Diego release, it was automatically turned on. Uh, you know, you get the the pretty UI and it's all unified. Um, and then if you're an existing customer and you upgrade, there's a property you can turn on that then turns on uh, the new UI instance wide. Uh, and then there's also a user preference that you can set for individual users that controls whether they see um, the, uh, the older UI or the next experience UI. Um, and so that lets you kind of migrate uh, different groups uh, at different times if you want to. Um, so in terms of whether you should turn it on or not, uh, we think that uh, you get the most bang for your buck uh, out of the new UI uh, when you're using configurable workspaces. Um, so these are things like 
the CSM configurable workspace, the service service operations workspace that came out for ITSM and the San Diego timeframe through the store, um, and then some of the other configurable workspaces we have out there. Um, so one of the nice things about the new UI is that when you open one of these configurable workspaces, it opens within the overall UI. Um, so we're kind of reducing browser tab sprawl uh, in, in terms of that. And that was really one of the big pushes is so that our fulfillers aren't, you know, all over the place in lots of different tabs. Um, so in terms of, you know, should you turn it on or not? Uh, I mean, always, we're both developers, uh, always test, you know, turn it on in a sub prod, test it. I, I think that goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, you know, you want to turn it on and test it. And there's a couple of things um, that uh, that are not supported in the San Diego version mm -hmm. of the Next Experience UI. Uh, so those things are guided tours uh, is kind of the big thing. So um, if you are a customer that is using guided tours and that's a big part of your fulfiller experience, uh, those are not supported in San Diego, uh, although we are targeting uh, a near future release uh, to support guided tours. So they will eventually be supported uh, in the new UI. Uh, and then the other one is uh, Connect Chat. So Connect Chat is also not supported uh, in the new UI, uh, but we should have a replacement, uh, you know, safe harbor. There is uh, a replacement coming in uh, the Tokyo for Connect Chat. So, you know, some of those things aren't aren't uh, supported right away in the San Diego release, uh, but they are going to be supported. Yeah, there's a couple more on here: uh, Table Schema Map, VTBs, yep. and then uh, one thing I do want to call out is uh, there's been some confusion around whether ATF is supported or not, mm -hmm. uh, and so ATF is still supported. Uh, in the core UI of Next Experience, but it's not supported in configurable workspaces yet. Good to know. So turning on Next Experience UI isn't really going to change what, what you can test and what you can't test. Um, so that's really more if you're looking at moving from, you know, the, the core UI into a configurable workspace, uh, that is a consideration for that, but not really turning on next experience UI. So all of your existing tests, if they work, uh, in a previous release, they should work, uh, in the next experience UI. Um, you know, obviously if you're doing some sort of like custom UI testing that involves the header and things like that, like the header changed in the new UI. So those are probably not going to work anymore. You might want to test that out. Yeah. Do some exploring on your PDI. You've got access to it there. So find out what works and what doesn't. That's, that's exactly what PDIs are for. In my opinion, it's a sandbox before you even turn this on in your, your company's dev instance, you've got some hands on, you know, where the, where the bounds of this box are. Now you mentioned agent workspace and configurable workspace. What's the difference of those and what, what do I need to know there? Yeah, so that's a good question. So our legacy agent workspaces came out oof, in New York, Madrid. Madrid. It was it was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. So they came out a while ago. They were kind of built on uh, the first version uh, of our new uh, Next Experience UI framework. Uh, and mm -hmm. you know they were they were good. Uh, it was a good kind of upgrade from Listen Forms uh, for a lot of our customers, where they could you know get that tabbed interface within one browser tab. Uh, and uh, but a lot of the feedback we got was like, hey, this isn't very customizable. 
Um, you know, I want to be able to do some of the things that I'm able to do on listen forms, like add, you know, formatters to the form that have UI macros and you can do all, all sorts of things with them. Uh, and so, you know, we kind of took that feedback and we actually, um, you know, built out uh, kind of a newer version of the framework or updated a little bit. And so we ended up kind of replatforming those agent workspaces onto a new, more configurable um, version of workspace. And so that's what we released in Quebec uh, with uh, the newer version of UI Builder with all the data resources and, and components with events and properties that, you know, can talk to each other. Um, and then in Quebec, we released the CSM configurable workspace and then App Engine Studio uh, lets you create uh, configurable uh, experiences, both workspace and portal experiences. Uh, and then uh, in San Diego, uh, Service Operations Workspace came out, which is really the ITSM version of configurable workspaces. Mm -hmm. um, so we're kind of at a point now where a lot of our customers can move from agent workspace to configurable workspaces. And uh, there are some, some caveats in there, uh, depending on, you know, if you're really big uh, CSM and ITSM user, and you've got like a tight integration between the two, um, you know, in the San Diego version, you might have to rebuild some of that integration. Uh, we are eventually going to kind of go in and, and, you know, support all of those things. Um, but now is a really good time once you're on San Diego to kind of look at, you know, is it time to migrate from agent to configurable workspaces? The other um, nice thing about the configurable workspaces is that they show up within the unified navigation when you turn on the next experience UI. Um, so agent workspaces are still going to open up a new tab when you turn on the new UI. Um, so it's configurable workspaces uh, that were really kind of rebuilt so that they can open up uh, within that unified navigation. Oh, nice. So you really don't have to care which one it is from a consumer standpoint. They're just there. Yeah. So, so what uh, we often refer to as the runtime experience, you know, once you're a consumer of the experience looking at the page, uh, that experience doesn't really change much from uh, agent workspaces to configurable workspaces. It's really the back end and how you're able yeah. to configure them, you know, in a configurable workspace you can create a variant of a page and move things around on a page and add, you know, new components to your record page and all sorts of things like that. So it's, you know, much more configurable, hence the name configurable workspaces. <laughs> We're so good at naming things. <laughs> <laughs> at least they make sense. That's right. They're not very creative, but they make sense. Now let's talk about some of the technical investment we've made in the past, UI macros, UI pages, that kind of thing. Can customers still use those going forward? Yes. So uh, I remember, I think we were probably both on this call maybe a year and a half, two years ago when they were <laughs> first kind of previewing what this new UI was going to be like. Uh, and one of the big uh, goals was that it was going to be backwards compatible. You know, we have a lot of customers uh, that have been around for a long time. They've built all sorts of really awesome things that help uh, you know yeah. make their make their business work better. And uh, we want to make sure that we support uh, as much of that as we can. Uh, and so you know you've got UI macros and UI pages. 
uh, our core UI, uh, which is what we what we call a you know the kind of lists and forms type view, the core UI um, still supports all of those things. So it's still you know jelly based. Uh, we've just kind of made it to where we can put this wrapper around it and you know up leveled the styling and the theming and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that's still there. Uh, there are some things like if you have uh, dark mode, everybody's excited about dark mode. Uh, dark mode doesn't apply uh, to core UI yet, uh, so it's only going to apply to kind of the shell, you know, the the menus and the header and everything, uh, but it won't apply to a core UI list or form yet. Uh, but that is also a thing that we're looking to uplift. Um, so in the future, you know, you should be able to apply all of your styling to um, the lists and the form views as well. I could see some cautionary tales in there if you had a UI macro, for example, that had a dark blue text and suddenly your your dark theme comes in and it's dark blue on black. It's like, I can't read this thing. Yes. <laughs> it could cause some problems. So test, test, test with whatever theme you get. That's right. Let's switch to UI Builder. It's been out for a while. You mentioned it earlier. Can you tell us more about the overall product strategy there? Yeah, so UI Builder is near near and dear to me. Uh, I uh, you know kind of got my first uh, taste of it about a year and a half ago uh, before we came out with Quebec, and uh, really kind of liked the way it was put together and everything. And so you know I did a lot of uh, I did the UI Builder Bytes series on the YouTube and developer blog. Um, and so, you know, I, I really have enjoyed using the tool and getting to know it uh, a lot better. Um, but uh, it, it uh, can be fairly complex to use right now. Uh, and so our, you know, our, our kind of strategy there in the near term is, uh, is really around UI builder usability in the next couple of releases. Um, so we want to make it, you know, easier to use and configure. Um, you know, we, we are, we have built this kind of new technology for it. Uh, we're calling uh, presets and controllers, uh, that's going to let component authors, um, do some things around their components. Uh, we, where they are kind of presetting a lot of the configuration. Um, so if you think about uh, if you want to build out another record page, uh, you've got all these form components, you've got the GForm data resource, and then you have to know what parts of the GForm data resource you bind to different properties in the components. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, everybody always binds the same parts to the same properties. Um, so why why don't we... When you add a you know a form component to the page, it automatically you know gets the right data and everything, and you don't have to do all that. And so that's that's our goal with the presets and controllers. Um, you'll see some of that in in Tokyo, uh, and then you know we hope to up level more of our uh, components to that uh, in the future. Um, so you know u- usability is a really big uh, push for us in UI Builder in the near term. When should I use UI Builder? Versus, say, Service Portal? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I I think whenever we release a new technology, uh, it's always kind of confusing, you know, when do I use this thing, right? Because the first version usually doesn't have parity with the incumbent, right? If you think about Flow Designer and Workflow, I think that's probably the most obvious example to people right now. You know, the first version of Flow Designer did not have anywhere close to parity with Workflow. Uh, You know, at this point, we have achieved parity and surpassed it, uh, you know, by a long way. I, I feel like um, yes. I know not everyone feels like that, but uh, I, I think we're there. They still want their rollback. It's like you're not going to get a rollback if if you need a rollback, you're doing it wrong. 
and my turnstile. <laughs> That's right. Um, but so UI Builder uh, and Service Portal have different use cases right now, and it's not a. It's actually not a perfect comparison to workflow, uh, because right now uh, for UI Builder and Service Portal, they are really our two supported uh, UI technologies, mm-hmm. UI UX technologies. So they're both supported. They both have their use cases, and so um, the easiest way to think about it is that UI Builder in its San Diego, Tokyo form is really geared towards modifying uh, fulfiller experiences. And if you have to, creating your own fulfiller experiences. So its audience is really fulfiller focused. And then Service Portal is really our requester focused uh, UI tool. So, you know, when you get a little more granular than that, it's if your experience needs to use any sort of catalog functionality, uh, there is technically a catalog component for UI Builder, uh, but in most cases, it's probably not going to do what you need. Uh, it's really for like being able to open a, a you know record producer from uh, a workspace that you're already in. It's not for you know letting a thousand people order a new iPad or something like that. Right. Um, so anything that involves catalog is still Service Portal. Um, any like enterprise wide portals are probably still better suited for service portal. Uh, If your portal needs to be available publicly, uh, it is technically a thing you can do in UI Builder, uh, but it's probably not a thing that you want to do right now uh, because it involves a lot of custom data resources and things like that. So public portals, I I still think uh, service portal is the right answer for. Uh, In addition to that, uh, we have uh, responsive portals. So if your portal needs to be mobile friendly, uh, that's still a service portal only uh, thing. So UI Builder uh, does not create uh, responsive experiences. It is possible to create you know, a page that looks okay on mobile uh, if you need to, uh, but it's not responsive by default like a uh, service portal is using Bootstrap. Um, so again, service portal for requesters, uh, UI builder for fulfillers, uh, and in UI builder, uh, when you get more into that fulfiller experience, uh, we really think it's best that you start with one of our uh, configurable workspaces. Mm-hmm. So if you're an ITSM customer, start with the ITSM configurable workspace, which is called service operations workspace, um, and you know try that. And you know, hopefully that does what uh, what you want for your fulfillers. Uh, it's it's pretty extensive um, that workspace. Same with CSM. Uh, and then if you have to create your own workspace, uh, you can do that and then create your own fulfiller experience. If you've got a custom app um, and you're using App Engine Studio, that's a really good candidate uh, for creating your own workspace. And I think that gets a little easier for App Engine Studio uh, in the future as well. Um, so that's uh, that's a big. A big thing that I wanted to hit on is UI Builder fulfill, fulfillers, service portal for requesters, and it's going to be like that for a little while. Um, so this is not a thing where in Tokyo we're going to say, okay, now everybody use UI Builder for everything. Uh, we've got some time, um, so you know I think people can feel confident building out service portals right now. Uh, that that that's going to be around a while, and you know, you know how long it takes us to deprecate things. Um, you know, I, yeah. A common question we get is when is Service Portal going to be deprecated, and it's it's long enough off that it's not on the roadmap um, to to deprecate it yet. So it it'll be quite a while um, before they stop working. I don't even know. I think if you still have a CMS portal, it still works. <laughs> uh, I could be wrong there. It's been a while, but CMS came out in what two thousand nine. So. 
um, you know, you've got a lot of time. So yeah, if you need an enterprise portal, if it's doing requester related things, uh, service portal is still our answer there. There's not a whole lot of development effort on our side being done for service portal. I did see uh, a new widget coming out in Tokyo. So there, there's there's things that are happening to support other applications. Document management was one of them that I saw. So it's not dead and we're not going to just simply turn it off in, in some future release. It's always going to be there. Like you said, CMS is there. It's also really good at this point for responsive technologies. If you want to put out a portal that works on mobile, you can do that in Service Portal. Not available as of summer 2022 on UI Builder. There's also some other feature parity like external user login or external user account creation or the open ID connect features. So you can use a social media account to attach your portal to uh, Google or Facebook or uh, you know, whatever to to log in that way. So there's still a lot of very rich features in Service Portal that I recommend people take a look at if you're doing a consumer external uh, requester portal. Well, now that you're a product manager, can you give us a hint of what's on the roadmap for the next experience? I can. I can. So... Um, uh Safe harbor again. Um, you know, we're not, we're not, uh, I may say something, I probably won't say specific releases, but, you know, we may or may not actually uh, get to that in the release for all sorts of reasons. Your developer advocate is showing again. No, wait, I think we got that from the product managers. <laughs> probably. Uh, so something I'm fairly confident about is the Tokyo release, um, because it's, it's, I don't know if we're past dev complete, but it's basically done. We're in, we're in Utah planning at the moment. Uh, but uh, one of the things that you'll see, I mentioned these uh, presets and controllers. Um, and so, you know, we're really all about UI builder uh, usability. Uh, and so something you'll see is that uh, a lot of the form components uh, are being updated with these presets and controllers. So it's going to get way easier and faster to build out a new record page uh, in uh, the Tokyo release. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Um, there's another uh, there's another Tokyo feature that's going to make it a lot easier to move your components around. Um, so I did a UI Builder Lab for CreatorCon this year, mm -hmm. uh, and you know across the, the two sessions, we probably had a couple hundred people in it. And uh, by far the most common piece of uh, we had a really common piece of feedback, uh, and it was around moving components around. And they're like, "Well, why, why can't I do this?" And then I talked to the inbound team, and they were like. Oh, we're doing that in Tokyo, um, and so uh, that was a fun. Uh, that was a fun thing. That it was an ob such an obvious gap that we had already fixed it before the feedback came in. Um, so that's going to get easier. Uh, we are, you know, I mentioned that uh, we are going to um, support a connect chat replacement uh, in uh, in future releases, uh, and then we're also planning on supporting guided tours in the next experience UI uh, in the future. That that will not be a Tokyo um, thing, I believe. It'll be uh, after Tokyo, but it is on on the roadmap. I could feel listeners' ears tingle when you said connect chat replacement. It it was it was that vibrant. Like what what what. <laughs> Did he say? <laughs> yeah, and I, you you can't underestimate the value of the feedback you get at these live events when people come up. That's I think you just earned your pay as an outbound product manager going to <laughs> knowledge and hearing that direct feedback from people. That listen, people. I don't know how many conferences you go to, but I've gone to a few, and you don't 
talk to the product managers directly most times. It's it's really a wonderful access. So not trying to pimp future in-person events, but another reason to ask your boss to go. It's like, we got direct access. Yeah, it's definitely helpful uh, from from my perspective. Uh, you know, just being able to walk around a room where while a hundred people are using my product and see like, uh, you know, five people all struggle with the same thing. Uh, that's, that's like a really obvious thing that we need to fix that it's so much harder to get that, uh, when people are just asking questions on the community or even doing a virtual lab, yes. uh, just like looking at somebody's screen, uh, cause there's an issue in UI builder. If you don't have enough vertical screen, real estate, some things don't render very well. And, you know, especially when you're at something like knowledge and people are maybe on like a smaller screen than, than they normally would be like, you know, maybe they have their service tablet plugged into a big monitor at home, but when they're at knowledge, it's smaller. Uh, there are some things like that, that, you know, I, I wouldn't have discovered unless I was, you know, watching people use UI builder in person on smaller screens. Um, so yeah, it's, it's absolutely valuable. And, and one of the things we're really excited about is getting in person at Snugs and in developer meetups and in front of customers and, and really kind of getting into uh, some of the UI builder stuff and getting some real-time feedback. That's exciting stuff. I, I, <laughs> it's like, ooh, Brad is going to be back at Snugs and developer meetups with some content. <laughs> I could get into that. Yes, we will have some content for sure. All right. Easier, faster. I like this. I might actually uh, begin to use UI Builder at some point. So where could I go to learn more about the next experience UI and, of course, UI Builder? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so we'll have some links, I think, in the, uh, in the episode notes um, that link out to these places. Uh, but the first one is we have spun up a, a next experience uh, sub forum on the community under the Now platform. Uh, forum. And so nice. we have, uh, it's it's all new. There's a ton of information just on the homepage of that forum. And uh, you also can ask questions in that forum. And a number of us on the product team are, are subscribed to it. So anytime you ask a question uh, against the next experience forum or topic, uh, I get an email uh, and it goes in my inbox on the community. Uh, and so we're trying to make sure, you know, if a question can be answered by us, we're trying to answer it. Uh, and so that's a really good place to go for help. And it's a good place to get started. Uh, we kind of link out of that forum to just about everywhere. Um, and so there's a ton of articles in there. Uh, and then from there, you can get to our next experience, uh, COE, uh, which is really kind of our, uh, it's how we've organized our, uh, all of our links and articles and everything. Um, and so, uh, Ashley Snyder has done an incredible job building out that COE. Uh, I think I ran a report and she had written like 45 articles in the past few months and I'm, I'm at one so far. Uh, so she is, uh, she is winning. Uh, I don't think I'm going to catch up, <laughs> uh, but we have a ton of information. So I mentioned, you know, she's written that many articles. Uh, these are all like new in the last, you know, four or five months. Uh, so this is maybe new information that you haven't seen before. We've got a lot of articles on, you know, here's what you need to think about when turning on the next experience UI. Uh, if I, you know, talk too fast during that question earlier, you can just go to the COE and all that information is on there already. Names of properties and user preferences and all sorts of things. Uh, and then 
It also links out some to some different training we have. Uh, the other big question that we get is, you know, how do I get started with UI Builder? You know, what kind of training do I do? Yes. And so there are there are probably three things that I would that I would go through. The first one is the now learning course for UI Builder. Uh, I think it's UI Builder Fundamentals. It's been updated for San Diego. Uh, and uh, it's a really good starting place uh, for getting started with UI Builder. Uh, and then after that, we have, I think, five modules in the UI Builder course on the developer site. Um, so that's a good exercise to do next. Uh, and then I built a UI Builder CreatorCon lab uh, that also um, is a good thing to go through. It, it gets into, um, it may go a little deeper in some areas. You know, we cover repeaters and theming and all sorts of things in that lab. Um, so I think those are probably your best three resources to go through. And I would do them now learning developer site and then creator con lab. Um, and so you can get links to those uh, from our COE. Uh, also, uh, I, I will just say uh, if you are using uh, the next experience UI in your production instance, uh, you know, we'd love to talk to you and get feedback on, you know, how you think it can be better and how you're using it. Um, and uh, and then also, if you're building experiences with UI Builder or customizing experiences with UI Builder, uh, we'd love to get feedback and, and hear about that, how that's going. Uh, and you know, there's a few ways to connect with um, to connect with me or our team. Uh, and that's you know, you can always reach out to your account executive or your solution consultant. Those are kind of the best ways to go through that so that everything goes through the right channels. Uh, and uh, you know they can get a hold of our team and, and give us some feedback. Uh, or if that is proving difficult, uh, you can absolutely just reach out to me um, personally. And uh, that goes into how do you get a hold of me? <laughs> you know the show too well. <laughs> you can go to my LinkedIn, uh, which is uh, you know whatever the LinkedIn thing is slash Brad Tilton. Same with my Twitter. Uh, and you know, my email is my name at service now. So, uh, I'm fairly easy to get a hold of, uh, I'm on S and dev Slack. I'm on the, um, the developer discord and, uh, all sorts of areas. Uh, so ping me on something and, uh, you know, I'd love to hear feedback about how you're using, uh, the next experience products, uh, both the UI and UI builder. Um, so yeah. And I will have plenty of links in the show notes as well so the community now learning how to get a hold of brad don't worry about it if you, you don't have to write down these things furiously as you listen to this for new listeners experienced listeners we'll know all this already <laughs> experienced hosts know how to drive the show by themselves <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today brad and thank you wonderful listener don't forget to check out the other ServiceNow podcasts. You can find them on the community under the resources menu, or you can go to servicenow.com slash podcast. Subscribe to this one or any of them for totally free and get them automatically delivered to you. Breakpoint is brought to you by ServiceNow, executive producer Chuck Tomasi, video and captions by Earl Duque. And to find out more about the ServiceNow developer program, I invite you to go over to developer.servicenow.com. Again, thank you so much, Brad, for all the wonderful information, and we will talk to you again soon, I'm sure. Thanks for having me, Chuck. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening.
ask me uh, what. Okay, what's your first name, your last name, and what song do you want to sing? Here's 50 Things. Oh, okay. I'm not supposed to use UI Builder for everything? Got it. It does its own thing for its own thing. And will for a while. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, <laughs> that's the end of the thought. Did I write that or did you write that? I think I maybe gave you the two things and then you wrote it. Oh, okay. I may not be able to answer any questions, but at least we'll have something. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Oh, did we miss that in the questionnaire? No, I didn't. I didn't. I only gave a half answer. Chuck's going to be retired in a wheelchair with his blanket over his lap. I finally made it to Houston. <laughs>